Hey, Lee. Big week. It is a big week. A very, <laughs> very big week indeed. How are you feeling? Oh, it's been a hectic one, i got to say. Um, you know, we, we went into school as normal on Monday, um, you know, sort of expecting maybe some things to change. And then, yeah, about after half an hour of being there, it all it all kicked off, didn't it? And, you know, our school took the decision to close. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of a, a strange feeling. There's, you know, on top of kind of a lot of stress and worry and concern about what's going on and happening, there's also a, a slight twinge of excitement in a strange way. Definitely, yeah. You know, I think we're not going to spend um, the time on this episode focusing on the bigger picture in the world. Um, you know, obviously, it's a really crazy time with everything that's going on. Um, we're just going to focus on the education space. Um, but, um, yeah, and there's definitely there's a, a lot of nervousness, I feel, around, as you say, twinged with that excitement and trying new things i don't know if you're feeling the same absolutely um for me yeah that excitement of trying something new as an educator i love trying anything innovative and having the opportunity to really sort of jump into online learning has been fantastic and then watching the community of teachers who feel very comfortable with this um supporting others who aren't feeling so comfortable but are you know reaching out and asking for some support it's been really, really interesting to watch. Um, Definitely. Yeah. You know, I um, when the school closures started in Asia, you know, sort of January time, um, it was really interesting to watch all of that happen. And it all seemed to spiral really quickly. And obviously those schools in Asia were the first to experience these school closures. Um, mm. So, in, you know, in some ways they sort of tested it out for everyone. Um but it, I was sort of fascinated to watch how they reacted and um, in terms of the community, how everyone supported each other. And there just seems to be this mass swell on social media of people sharing resources and um, just a real community spirit. Absolutely. And, I, yeah, I think I've had a few conversations recently where people have sort of talked about um, schools not connecting so much and, I think this has been a bit of a shake-up to say to everyone across all schools. It doesn't matter what type of school you're working in. It doesn't matter what age of students. We can all share things. We can all learn things from each other. And uh, the more open we are, the better it is for everybody. Definitely, yeah, that openness, you know, um, sort of the purpose of this episode, really. I mean, mm. before we go a little deeper into our topic for today, I think we should just sort of back up and... Just explain, Ashley, we're doing a different format for the show today, aren't we? Yeah. Trying, trying something new. Trying something new <laughs> in so many different ways. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's been a week of firsts. A week of firsts. So we're trying what we're calling Open Door Debate. I think we've settled on that name now. Um, mm -hmm. Would you like to tell our listeners yeah. what is an Open Door Debate? Well, I think when we first talked about the idea of this show... Um, and you really like this idea of having a sort of um, community feel to the episodes. And, you know, I think we've certainly had that so far. Um, mm. The model we've tended to follow is more of an interview style and, you mm. know, sort of pulling in from the community in that sense. Um, 
but what we really wanted to get was this um almost like a radio talk show almost um and so with anchor you have this amazing feature where people can leave a voice message unfortunately suddenly it's capped at one minute um but it's really great for capturing people's perspectives um and i think this was inspired sort of last summer by um our friend on twitter um run and rant with mm. his video messages yeah yeah, yeah. so what, Mark... what was the format of those messages how did they work yeah, so basically it was set up, uh, I think, by Mark Ryan, PYP, or that's certainly where I heard it from. And he kind of posts an idea or something that he's been thinking about or a big question. And the idea was to get people out and healthy and um, the idea that exercise can help our brain and our thinking as well. Mm. So the format was you go for a run, you think about this topic, you think really deeply, really run, and then as soon as you're back as soon as you're starting to slow down and your heart rate's still going mm. you just record a video two three minutes giving your idea of um of that question mm-hmm. so i think this is something very very similar i don't Definitely. think i don't think i'm looking to do the running right now <laughs> i'm quite no. happy with the staying in with an ice cream but um <laughs> <laughs> you know i gotta say i think a lot of my best ideas come from when i'm running um so um maybe it would have been a good idea to go running before this um yeah absolutely yeah Yeah. maybe a little late a little late (laughs) in the evening for that (laughs) a little late in the evening and um well yeah i'm not so sure how much i should be getting out and about at the moment (laughs) (laughs) well um speaking of that uh, i think it's just worth pointing out the way that things have been changing um over the past couple of weeks that we are recording this on thursday the 19th of march and it's um 8 23 as i'm speaking now just because things have been changing so much and obviously um in the uk you know tomorrow friday the 20th of march um schools are going to be closing their doors um and obviously with that there's a lot of uncertainty as to when they will reopen um and since that was announced i think it was yesterday Mm. um there's been a lot of questions um which i think some of them are still sort of unanswered regarding the exam process how this works for supporting key workers children um, mm. how we support students with specific needs for example those with free school meals um, so there's a lot of different aspects to look at this situation isn't there there is there is and I think as you say there are so many things that are unanswered and unopened and um, I think the big the big thing to remember now is not anyone really knows the answer nobody's hundred percent sure about how this is going to happen or how everything's going to play out but it is really really important that we keep asking those questions and we keep bringing up all those people especially those as you mentioned specific needs or key workers um, and their children and how that's going to work for them and keep asking those questions to try to help those who maybe don't have such a powerful voice at the moment yeah yeah absolutely so the purpose of this episode and the way we're planning this is going to be in two parts. So we're going to release part one this week and we'll have a second part coming up later on is to look at some of the, the different aspects of switching to this 
online or remote learning model, depending on uh, how your school is approaching it. Um, mm -hmm. But first of all, before we go into some of those topics, I think we should just explain the situation at our school and um, sort of what we have done this mm. week. Um, so what have we been doing, Lee? Well, we're a one-to-one -one school. You know, we have a very sort of established program that uh, yourself and the deputy head have worked very, very hard at getting that in. So the skills have been developed with the staff and students. And I think parents are very engaged and really, really understand mm. what's going on. Um, so there's been some contingency planning going on, as you mentioned earlier. Um, Asia, lots and lots of schools in Asia had started to close. Um, we're part of a Cognita group. So some of those Cognita schools had started closing as well. So we were able to start that planning and start thinking. And um, and as I say, we're a one-to-one -one school, so it was very, very lucky that we were able to send iPads home with students, yeah. um, as well as a physical textbook and some other resources, um, depending on year groups. And yeah, I think definitely, yeah. Well, I think this, you know, as we said, for schools, you know, this is going to completely depend on sort of their level of tech integration as to what they've got. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, some schools maybe don't have a one-to-one -one program, so they're maybe relying on a website or a virtual learning environment. Mm -hmm. um, it's gonna your experience is really going to vary depending on what resources you've got as as a school. Yeah, definitely. And as you say, that platform that you use, um, yeah. some of the apps I've tried using, I might have. You know, I'm sitting here using a Windows laptop at the moment. I've mm -hmm. got an Android phone next to me and an iPad on the desk. <laughs> so some apps are just not the same on those three different things. So unless the students, you know, have the same access, it might not be so easy for teachers to support students and to know exactly what it looks like on their end. Yeah. And so part of our approach was to really focus on simplicity mm. and because this really isn't a time for us to be trying new things as a school. Um, and so when we sat down and tried to think about, you know, when we we're developing a contingency plan, it really had to be as simple as possible, not just for the parents, but for the students and the teachers as mm. well. Um, so, you know, we're a, a seesaw school. I know there are lots of schools that are showby, um, but having that core platform that the students are really familiar with, the parents know inside out, and also the teachers as well, it's sort of consolidated what's going on in this online learning journey that we're embarking on. Yeah. And, you know, I think over the years I've been using seesaw for four maybe five years now mm -hmm. and looking at how much it has changed and with the activities and being able to schedule work um there's been a real a real uh, sort of outpour of support towards seesaw but seesaw also really supporting teachers for this yeah. kind of event which is quite strange in many ways yeah it's almost like we've been preparing for this yeah <laughs> Um, yeah, just a quick shout out on, towards uh, Shobi. I've seen quite a few posts of people already using Shobi in an online learning platform. And one of the things I really love about Shobi, which 
I don't think is an option. And Seesaw is they almost have like a, a group chat going on. So the mm -hmm. students and the teachers, they can actually have sort of a, like a text message style conversation going on, which obviously in, in this scenario is particularly useful. Yeah, that sounds wonderful. I wasn't aware of that. Yeah. Well, if, speaking of the students and sort of keeping in contact with them, mm. I think our first sort of mini topic for this show was about keeping connections with students. And obviously with school doors being closed, you know, that sort of gets rid of any physical connection that we have face to face with mm. the students. Um, so our first question was really, you know, how do we ensure that we can keep those connections going with the students first ensuring that they are progressing academically um, so checking in with that but also supporting the well-being side and you know checking in that everything's okay and that they're feeling all right if they've got any questions um, how are you approaching that in grade two um, well, we start every day with a morning meeting and a morning message. So the morning message would be myself or my teaching partner in our own classes, um, just sending a message saying hi, keeping up with any kind of routines or traditions that we have, maybe reading a story, maybe picking up on some of the things that um, the whole class found tricky the day before, mm. and just trying to get them to respond back to that, try to have lots and lots of um video contact and lots and lots of sorry recorded video contact that is um or yeah. audio at the moment so that's how we're trying to keep our faces available and trying to be available as mm. much as we can so you're um, posting those once a day you said yeah once a day in the morning mm. um but as next week begins we're also going to start doing a daily read aloud at the end of the day, we've got the same chapter book and we're going to take it in turns just oh, reading to the students. So um, and we will be using your idea that you've posted on clips this evening. Mm, yeah. Yeah, it's, <laughs> really it's nice um, because I don't, I don't know if the students just want to stare at my head as I read a book. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they can actually see what's um, happening in the pages, particularly, you know, if you've got a, a picture book, that's fantastic, mm. isn't it? Yeah, I've just recorded um, a picture book for my students um, with that picture in picture. And I'm really, really excited to share I, that with them <laughs> tomorrow. That's great. Um, I've done that for like three days now. And the first day, I think it took me like half an hour to figure <laughs> it out. Um, but today it actually took like five minutes to put the video together. Oh, um, nice. Yeah, what I found works really well is actually taking photos of the pages beforehand and then clipping each individual page mm -hmm. so when you flip over the page on iMovie you just add in the new clip do the picture in picture um that seemed to work well for me but um, oh, nice yeah nice nice we'll see i haven't actually put it together yet i've just put i've got the pictures and i've got myself reading it so i'm going to add that in together so i'll take that tip and I'll give yeah. it a go later on. Smashing. How, <laughs> How about yourself? Have you had any great sort of connections with students so far? What are you doing? Um, so to similar to yourself, you know, we, um, we've we been doing the read-alouds. We're reading The Boy at the Back of the Class. And uh, the, the kids have been absolutely in love with the book. 
it's, it's one of those books where you start reading and you get to the end of the chapter and you go to put the bookmark back in the book and they're like, no, I'm like, well, <laughs> the end of a chapter, you know, you got to do some work. Um, yeah. So they've been really engaged with that. We've been posting those onto Google Classroom and then I've been asking questions and they've been responding. So it's made me feel a bit like a YouTuber this week mm. as I've been doing that. Um, but then in the upper prime, we, we've also got the option of um, having a live Google Meet chat. So we had our first one of those today. Um, and it was it was a really fantastic experience, not just to see the students' faces and to um, check in with them and asking, you know, what they've been up to. Um, I asked them what have been some of the positives from this week. Most of them said just sleeping in a little longer. <laughs> um, but also the challenges. And so one of them, his comment was that just figuring out where everything is, um, because we're using Google Classroom as well as Seesaw, and so I I can definitely um, sort of appreciate that comment. And I said, well, I guess it's a little like at the start of the year when you get a new teacher, you're in a new classroom and you maybe don't know where the pencil sharpener is or you don't know where the erasers are. And mm. you're sort of figuring out those routines in the first maybe week, two weeks. Mm. And I guess we're all sort of in that boat. Um, yeah. But, I think it's it's been quite good, you know, as a school, we almost gave ourselves a week of remote learning mm. for everyone to find their feet yeah. uh, before we delve a bit deeper next week. Yeah, I think that was definitely an important thing, just to understand that this is a transition and that this is, you know, this is a huge, huge change for the children. I love the approach that you and your teaching partner have taken by asking for feedback and talking about, well, what's one positive from the week but also what's a challenge you know we shouldn't be completely hiding um this from the students they are aware of some of what's going on mm -hmm. and i think it's important to to give them those opportunities to talk about okay you know this isn't an ideal situation there are challenges and then let's use our problem solving skills to see what we can overcome and see what we can do to make this a little bit easier yeah I think when I was running this morning, you know, it suddenly occurred to me, like, these children that are experiencing this and they're living this online learning um, mm. journey, the, the skills that they're developing, the independence, as you say, the problem solving, you know, myself as a nine, ten-year-old, <laughs> mm. I think I would have been lost if I'd been placed in the same situation. But these children are just coping extremely well you know they've been keeping up with assignments all week um it's been amazing to see and it's having those video chats and those morning messages those read alouds it's bringing sort of a sense of normality um in a very strange situation definitely um so Speaking of sort of a sense of normality, I think that could be quite a good segue into our first voice message. Um, so should we have a listen to what Melanie Cherry had to say? Um, so Melanie is calling in from Stanford American School in Hong Kong. So let's have a listen to her message. Hi, uh, it's Melanie Cherry from Stanford American School in Hong Kong. I teach grade two 
We've been on the online learning roller coaster for seven weeks, and it really is a roller coaster. There are ups, downs, twists, and turns, but with support from our colleagues and parents and families, we really have turned it from a scary roller coaster to a fun journey. I've learned so much uh, through this. It's instant tech PD. You have to swim because sinking isn't an option. And my biggest challenge has really been finding ways to continue our sense of community, even though we're in the digital realm. So I try to do this by continuing our classroom traditions, morning meetings, morning music, class cheers. We work to celebrate each other's successes. Uh, you lost a tooth. You got a haircut. Sharing what's happening in our lives keeps us connected to each other connected to our class family, connected to school, and therefore connected to our learning. I think it's really an exciting time to be a learner and a teacher. Wow. Mm. I don't know how she squeezed all of that into one minute. <laughs> that was impressive. Uh, impressive. Melanie, so much positivity as well. Yeah, Melanie, thank you so much for that. Um, yeah, you know, there's so many helpful tips there, but um, I love that, you know, she said just keeping those classroom traditions going mm. um and she i followed up with her on twitter after that um and so she gave a couple of examples of those like they have a morning playlist of songs that they start their day together with um so they they would play that as the kids are logging on to do their um their online learning which is really nice bringing something along but uh, um, she also mentions the fact that they have started to create new traditions. Um, so, yeah, that was lovely to hear from Melanie. Any comments on that, Lee? Yeah, yeah, I just found it really, really interesting to hear um, how she's managed to come into a completely different context, but continue a lot of those things on. Um, I saw about sort of the classroom cheers, and I'd love mm. to hear hear what that kind of entails whether that's cheer as, as in cheerleading or is that cheers as in celebrating great actions or celebrating different things um but that sounds really really cool and i love it seems like a small thing but that you know have you lost a tooth um <laughs> you've got a haircut just noticing those things um really makes us very very personable so if we can pick up on those when kids do post videos or when we do see them on Google Meet. I think that will mean a lot. Yeah, as we would do in the classroom, no? just mm. um, talking about what's happening in our lives and those small details definitely matter. Yeah. Okay, um, let's have a listen to our next message, which is from Christopher O'Flynn in Ireland. The online learning experience so far has been very good in fairness. Um, my classes are engaging quite well. Not all the students in the classroom, unfortunately, are engaging with the material. However, majority of them are, which is brilliant. There's daily interactions. We have a roll call at nine o'clock every morning where the students come into class and they put up their hand using um, emojis or emojis or having an emoji of the day. Um, we have we use a class group chat on Microsoft Teams for instant messaging, which is great. But we put our workload on Google Classroom. And then at the end of the day, I put up a portal where they can submit all the work that they've done, um, as well as then I would put up the solutions to answers to allow students to self-correct by the end of the day, just to save my own workload. Um, pretty good, great so far now at the moment, encouraging them to make their own um, piece of work and submitting them in to see, as well as also great. But yeah, the learning experience so far has been brilliant, and um, hopefully it gets even better from here. 
All right. It's very positive from Christopher. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, Christopher. Um, Lee, what do you take away from that one? There's a lot to unpack there. Um, I saw Christopher actually posted on Twitter about the emoji roll call. So I was mm. quizzing him on what exactly that looks like. And he was kind enough to share a screenshot. So if uh, you have a little flick through Christopher's uh, Twitter or through my Twitter, you'll find that. And I just love the idea of the students getting to choose which emo- emoji they want to represent themselves with or which emoji, you know, you can have an emoji of the day or a memoji. I think that's fantastic. A really nice, uh, personable way to sign him. Yeah, definitely. I, I saw that screenshot as well. Um, and such a great idea. Might have to steal that one. Mm. I, I think I saw you created your first memoji. Did I see that I, comment? I did. I did, <laughs> but on the iPad. So there's not too much I can do with it, but I'm going to make some little stickers. And I am very, very excited. Probably too excited. To be <laughs> <laughs> oh, the kids but, love them as well. Yeah. Um, one of my takeaways from that comment uh, from Christopher as well was the the idea of students self-correcting. Mm. Um, and in fact, I've already taken that on board and I've put that into one of my first videos for next week is um, when we've sort of created an instructional video. You know, I've told the students, OK, right, here is the work. I'd like you to pause. I'd like you to go and do this in your notebook. Mm. And then afterwards, you're going to come back and check it. And so then after they've paused it or unpaused it, um, they can go, they could take a red pen as we would do in class and they would be able to check the answers with my explanation of how to get the answers. Um, That obviously would then save me having to go back later on and check their work. Um, But it also means that for the students, they're getting that instant feedback from me if they've made a mistake as we would try to do in the classroom. Um, so thanks for that one Christopher I've uh, already put that into practice great idea it's a Um, really really cool idea I think I'm gonna have to gonna have to give that a go and I think something I try to put into all of my units is at the beginning to create a rubric or a checklist or a continuum with the students so they know what we're trying to uh, what we're aiming to do by the end of the unit Mm -hmm. so that might be something that we could do now sort of talk about what do we want to do um in terms of literacy or whatever it is and then have them assessing themselves against that could be tricky but yeah definitely yeah you're you're relying on a lot of self-management skills from the Mm -hmm. children in order to do that in a unsupported environment um, and also them just being principled as well. And then they're not just going to go look at the answers when yeah. you tell them to pause the video. <laughs> yeah. Um, he does also make an interesting point about how do you follow up with students who aren't engaging um, with the online learning content? Um, how are you planning on doing that yourself? I think it's going to be a tricky one. Um, I think, firstly, we need to have a great deal of empathy um with the situation and what's happening so i think it will be rather than indirectly to the students it'll be speaking to the parents and saying you know i've noticed that the child hasn't signed into these activities um just wanted to check is there enough time how are they feeling about it and maybe surveying the parents is there too much too little work um and just trying to get a greater sense of what's happening um from that side 
did you have any ideas on how you chase that up? Yeah, I think like you said, you know, it's maybe following up with the student and the parents at the same time, just saying, you know, oh, not sure if you're aware, you know, um, we've had these activities um, due for this week, you know, mm-hmm. there's a lot going on, you know, people are maybe traveling or going through difficult times. Um, so, you know, we've got to give people space and um, we're all finding our feet here, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's good. It's going to take um, lots of communication and lots of attempts to understand and reach out to people and and do everything that we can. Yeah. Okay. Let's listen to our next caller. This is from Justin Ouellette from Ho Chi Minh City in Vietnam. Hello, Justin Ouellette here, checking in from Ho Chi Minh City, Vietnam. Um, We're currently in week seven of online learning. Um, It's been a mix bag of emotions, ups and downs, and aha moments, and new learning. Um, I would say overall pretty positive, um, but it does have its challenges. Um, In terms of challenges, just um, I think, you know, listening to the feedback, keeping it simple, and just really understanding um, and empathizing with your audience. Um, just know that uh, the support given at home, um, they aren't teachers, so um, you really have to be explicit in your language. So keeping things simple, super important. What have I learned? Just be reflective, open to feedback, um, survey your stakeholders often and respond to that. Thank you. Okay, thank you very much, Justin. So. Um, he's also in week seven of his journey as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, there's definitely something about week seven and roller coasters. <laughs> Maybe I that's guess... the end of the roller coaster. Yeah. Yeah. Would have definitely had time to, to have ups and downs and twists and turns. Um, what were some of your big takeaways from Justin's call? Um, so he talked about being really specific with your vocabulary. And I certainly noticed that in a couple of videos that I've made so far, you know, I'm obviously really conscious, A, that, you know, these are going to be watched maybe in an environment where parents are also going to be watching. Mm -hmm. I'm not there to correct or sort of any nuance or any misunderstandings. So you've really got to think through what you would say um how you want to explain something and you know in some ways uh, that sort of preparation for the lesson almost doubles triples compared to what you normally would do in the classroom um because you you've got to be really careful really specific um really think about your visuals how you're using video how you're using your voice um there's a lot to consider there. Um, I don't know if you sort of felt the same with that. Yeah, I was going to say one of the things I've sort of noticed, um, similar to the vocabulary, but is just how many different parts of a lesson that I have. There are times when I'm sort of throw out a quick formative assessment in the classroom, see what happens, move kids around, change things, you know, talking to different partners, talking to groups. And that's something that I can't do now because... Mm-hmm. If I start with, you know, this is generally front-loaded information or front-loaded instruction. If I'm asking the students to hold three or four different steps in their head, that's really, really tricky for some of them. 
Yeah. Um, so trying to keep things simple or trying to have, you know, here's a video for the first part. Now you're going to do this activity or have a go at this. And then here's the second video and trying to really break it up. And as you say, I think it's, it's doubling, tripling preparation. Um, but really, really good practice actually. (laughs) yeah you know i think when we get back into the classroom we're just going to be like the best teachers ever (laughs) (laughs) i'd hope so i hope so yeah it'll just be a walk in the park (laughs) um and justin you know he spoke about the idea of being flexible and that's quite a nice segue into where we want to go next sort of switching gears a little from focusing on working with the students but actually um, as teachers how can we be flexible in our practice and how do we make sure that what we're doing is simple enough to for students to access for parents to be able to support um, but also to access the learning objectives and the learning outcomes in what we're actually doing Mm -hmm. so the second part for this episode was um, sort of focused on the idea of why is flexibility important during school closures and also how do we provide equal access to learning so sort of differentiation um, as we um, go through this different model Um, do you have any thoughts on that how you're going to be providing differentiation um, in an online learning model yeah I think it's going to be probably one of the trickier questions Um, my general my first kind of thought on it my general plan right now is to throw out some form of formative assessment Mm -hmm. to find out where students are where they are and then to kind of group and send out new activities based on uh, previous work and then I think it's going to be a lot of kind of open-ended and choice um, activities so in terms of differentiation of outcome having open-ended um activities that allow students to differentiate for themselves um, and see how much they record see how much they go uh, how deep they go and then yeah that second part has just escaped my brain (laughs) (laughs) it's been a busy day um busy day how about for yourself yeah i think it's providing that level of student choice Mm. um you know in the classroom we do a lot of cross-grouping so for example in mathematics literature circles and we try and target different levels of ability and confidence Um, so in an online learning setting you know it's going to be more tricky to have those targeted groups where we'd be in a specific classroom Mm -hmm. um, to look at maybe different skills and different outcomes so one of the ways that we're approaching that in grade four is by um, providing two different levels and so having sort of two different instruction videos um, which are leaning towards the same outcomes um, but just in a different manner in terms of how we're going to be explaining um, the concepts and the practices as we go through Um, so we're going to try that out next week um obviously that relies on the students being able to make an appropriate choice Mm. um so if they're going to be you know 
maybe over challenging themselves then that obviously becomes an issue but at the same time if they're um maybe going a bit lower than what they're capable of um it's as you said that idea of formative assessment that constant checking for understanding becomes even more important in this context yeah yeah i think that was going to be the second part of what i was going to say <laughs> there we yeah. go read your in mind terms, in terms of you know having that formative assessment and then setting we use the three chilies challenge quite often yeah um so you'd have some sort of question or open-ended task and then from there ask them to assess themselves you know how did you feel about that was that um are you ready now for a one chili challenge or two chili challenge or something a lot spicier and trickier and um and yeah hopefully they can make the appropriate choice yeah Okay, so I think let's have a listen to our next caller. Um, so our next caller is Bart Miller. I believe um, this is one of your contacts, Lee. He is, he is. Um, Bart was a guy I met in Japan, um, and he set up EdCamp Tokyo, which was my first ever EdCamp that I went mm. to, which I absolutely fell in love with. And um, yeah, really great guy. Okay, let's have a listen to what Bart's got to say. If you're switching to online learning in a crisis, the first priority is to help everyone cope with the crisis. Ongoing learning is secondary, so please consider that when you're planning and implementing your program. Hi, Okay. Ooh. All right. Thank you so much, Bart. Um, what do you think, Lee? Yeah, I think this is a really important message. I think he keeps it short and sweet and to the point. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, I think he's right. It is important to remember there is a crisis going on. Um, and often in schools, our first thought is to look at the progress and how are children progressing? How are we supporting students to progress? But um, first and foremost, we have to think about the health of our students. Um, and... Although he doesn't quite say it, I think he's also alluding there's a great opportunity to teach about civic responsibility um, and sort of responsibilities that we can take um, and being part of a community. Mm hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I saw a great tweet from him as well um, over the past couple of days. And he was talking about uh, the transition to learning at home instead of at school is an authentic assessment of students agency and self-regulation as well as teachers digital design and communication capabilities um, and I think that that word agency really sticks out for me mm. um, and as we've sort of already talked about being able to give choices um, in the context that we're going to be teaching in is going to be really important so whether that is giving students alternative ways of how they present their learning, um, you know, particularly mm. if you're doing something which is non-digital, um, giving different options, because at the end of the day, students might not have the same materials in their homes they would do in the classroom, um, but also just adhering to different learning styles and needs and interests is going to be really important. Definitely, definitely. Mm -hmm. Um, and if I can just jump onto that action as well, I was yeah. looking at 
a tweet from our school and um, a grade mm-hmm. three student has been taking some really wonderful action. And I thought I'd just share a very quick bit of that. He's talking about his journals. 8.30, I woke up. 9 o'clock, I did homework. 10 o'clock, I made slips of paper to let the elderly people know my family and I would be there to help. 11 o'clock, I put the paper slips in the elderly people's mail shoots. 11.40, I came back from putting the slips of paper to the elderly people. So straight away, there we have a student who has just thought of other people and taken some really really meaningful action in his that's what it's that's what it's all about isn't it and you know i think the the learning for that day has already been done for that child hasn't it you know they've they've not touched a textbook they've not touched their ipad um but they've really got something out of this experience something Mm. valuable tangible which is going to make a difference to someone's day yeah yeah exactly lovely to see They've not touched an iPad, not touched a textbook, but they've touched some hearts. We We can cut that one later. (laughs) Okay, on that note, let's hear from our next caller. This is Ben James from Santa Cruz. Hi, Ben James here, a PhD student at UC Santa Cruz and former teacher and administrator. Rather than focus on the right or wrong way or recommended apps, I think it's important for educators to consider how equity and access factor in this conversation. And I don't just mean who has access to devices or the internet. Those are obvious considerations that complicate any kind of online learning. Um, and there are schools here in the U.S. that have done a wonderful job of ensuring students are sent home with school-issued devices and even internet service providers are providing free internet for low-income families. Um, but even this is not going to be enough to bridge the gap for some of our most vulnerable families. These are children potentially staying with other family members They're moving around a lot. They're tagging along to work. Um, and they may not have time to log in to Seesaw and record a video or check Google Classroom. So, you know, I know that in this crisis, teachers will be flexible and realistic and understanding as good teachers always are. But first and foremost, I hope that they still keep each individual student's needs and home situations in mind. Thanks. Wow. Thank you so much, Ben. Um, I think that was a really good connection to what we were just talking about. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, I would say Ben was the PYP coordinator for me in Japan and just always thinking um, outside the box, thinking of different people and different stakeholders involved. So I wasn't surprised by his comment, but really, really interesting. What did you think? Yeah, you know, again, it's that human aspect of this whole scenario, Mm. what we're all living through. Um, And in spite of the teaching and um, you know, a lot of focus of what I've seen on Twitter has been on apps and platforms and tutorials and how we do certain things. And that's fantastic. But mm-hmm. um, it really doesn't mean anything if you know the students don't feel safe or they're, they're not able to access um, the learning, um, maybe as their peers in their classroom are. Um, and I guess, you know, we were sort of talking about this at the start of the show, weren't we, about... Um, how do we support students with specific needs? Um, I was really pleased to see at my son's school today, they sent out um, a letter saying um, for those students who get free school meals, how they would actually access um, those. You know, it's a really important consideration, all of this. You know, Mm -hmm. for some students, 
those free school meals that they get at a lunchtime, that might be the only hot meal that they get in a day. So mm-hmm. being able to keep that on is really important. It's really good to see that schools have been taking care of that and there's plans in place to support that. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd be really interested to hear from more educators around the world about what uh, what they've heard and what they've seen happening in schools around them so i was chatting to bart and ben both on twitter Mm. earlier on today and ben was mentioning that there were some schools that were putting on free breakfasts not just for their own students but for any students who needed them um not quite sure about the ins and outs and how that was delivered and sent but it's a really really important consideration oh that's incredible Okay, I think we've got time for one more message. This isn't a voice message, but this came from um, our first guest on the show, actually, Cindy Cardell, uh, also in Ho Chi Minh City. Um, And so her message was about, well, so she says in her tweet, parents, but also choice, balance, interaction, personalization, a suggested timetable, tutorial videos from yourself step-by-step instructions and so i just followed up with her and and Mm. so i asked how do you get the parents involved in this process what have what she been doing in the seven weeks at her school Mm. and so she says that the school's been sending out surveys and daily emails um and you know it's really good for the parents to be able to express um their concerns and their issues because obviously they're seeing this firsthand I think you were also talking with Cindy as well online, weren't you? Yeah, we had a, a good chat about um, different scheduling and how to give students choice. And we got onto the Moscow method. I don't know oh, if yeah. you've come across that. So uh, no, I haven't. For anyone who hasn't come across it, yeah, Moscow is a, is, is a, kind is of it a wrestling move. The Moscow <laughs> method. No. It sounds a bit like it. It's, not, uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's a really odd acronym as the letters don't really match up. But if you write it down, you can underline some of them to make the word Moscow. And it's your things that you must do, mm-hmm. you should do, you could do, and you won't do. So this the idea is you would provide that with uh, to the students, for the students, or with the students. And they know what are the things that I must achieve today or maybe this week. What are some of the things that I should do? You know, these are the things that... Once I finish my must column, I can start to go on to those. And then you've got some of those sort of could do. Well, you know, I could make a tutorial to help somebody else. I could support a friend. And then that won't do is usually a task that, okay, I won't do this today. I'm going to leave maths for today, but I'll start that tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So we had a good chat about that and uh, generally how we both don't really use the W part of it <laughs> <laughs> and stick with the must, should, could. Yeah, I've definitely I've heard the must, should, could used before, mm-hmm. but I never heard of the Moscow acronym. That's really yeah. interesting. But as we were sort of talking about with the idea of agency, this is mm-hmm. a great way of developing that in this context. Um, yeah. I just yeah, want to pick up. Sorry, oh, go sorry. on. Yeah, I was just going to say. I think um, in this situation, for me, I don't have those Google Meets that. Uh, some of the teachers of older students will have Mm -hmm. but that means for me I can just send out all of the lessons of that day 
and it's of no consequence to me whether they choose to do their maths first or their language first or how they organize their timetable mm. um so yeah, yeah it's quite interesting it's something that i can't often do in class but this situation has allowed me to to think about that yeah i mean we're going a bit long but that the idea of a timetable as well i think is um definitely maybe something we can pick up next week um yeah as i think next week we're going to be talking a a bit about um well-being and um mental health not just for the students but also for teachers um Mm. so i think i'm going to make a note of that as something we can come back and talk about um related to timetables and different approaches with that wow um so is any final comments any final thoughts before we wrap up um just to say a huge thank you to the overwhelming um number of responses we've had and all of the great great conversations that um been part of on twitter it's been really fantastic to hear the views from so many different people yeah we know that people are particularly busy at the minute and you know just even to take one minute out of your day and to share your experience um with those people who are maybe about to embark on this journey um share what's worked in your context um i think that's been incredible and we're really pleased to see that so thank you so much um we are as i say we are going to be planning another one of these shows where we've got a couple of other topics that we're going to be looking at if you would like to get involved in the show you can leave us a voice message on anchor and we'll put a link in the show notes on how you can do that you capped at one minute um so it's not going to take up much of your day but just something that's worked um something that hasn't worked as well um it's always really interesting to hear about Mm. okay um so we'll be back soon and we've also got some other episodes to release um in the meantime as part of our normal format so we'll be getting out those as well um in between these open door debate episodes okay lee it's been lovely to talk to you as always a pleasure thank you very much all right and we'll be back soon for another episode of open door take care everyone